Hello and welcome to another edition of Building Success, a real estate podcast. My name is Nick and I will once again be your guide as we talk to some of the best and brightest in the worlds of real estate operations, financials, and technology from across the globe. This podcast would not be possible without listeners such as yourselves. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of it, please consider liking and subscribing wherever you get this podcast. We'd certainly appreciate it. So on today's podcast, we will be once again going to the MRI Software International Users Conference uh, for another really good panel that I sat in on uh, in December. And it was initially kicked off by Ed Meads from ViewBar, who took all the people in attendance through the challenges that agents and their, their clients have faced in the last 10 years, specifically in the UK region. Uh, and then he participated in a panel along with a few other people, uh, Matish Patel from Engage, Rajiv Nayar from FixFlow, and Trevor Ewens from MRI Software, all had a panel that kind of went back and forth on some of the issues uh, facing agencies uh, today. So really engaging. Uh, once again, with some of these panel podcasts I've been bringing, uh, quality can be hit or miss. It's like you're in the room, so you're dealing with some of the mic issues that you may have in the room and outside noise and that. So hopefully you still find it useful and beneficial. And as always, like and subscribe if you do appreciate what it is that we're putting out there. Uh, I do want to make one more note before we get into this episode, and that is that Building Success is getting a bit of a makeover. And stay tuned. Keep uh, watching out for new episodes. We're going to have a lot of new announcements. Uh, this podcast has grown by leaps and bounds over the last year and a half, and we're really excited where we're about to take it. So stay tuned. Uh, but until then... Go ahead and check out this new podcast from MRI Software's International Users Conference. Hello, um, and thank you to James and Trevor for asking me to come along and talk. Um, one of the things that was sitting up there was a the thing saying the modern, about modern agency, and I think for the purposes of today, I don't intend really to talk about what most people would think of as being modern agency, which is the sort of purple bricks online because they're a tiny part of the market and they haven't really changed very much and I very much doubt whether the majority of you will do much interacting with them. So uh, I'll sort of start really by saying my name is Ed and I'm an estate agent, which might sound to some people who, and I hope none of you are familiar with AA meetings, but that's how one tends to start AA meetings. Not that I'm familiar at all with that, obviously. Uh, but my name is Ed and I'm a state agent. And I think what I'm... I did a little bit of research into the sort of AA methodology and it's remarkable how similar the story or the issues that state agents have are caused by some of the things that cause people to become alcoholics. And again, this is from what I've discovered. Uh, no practical um, experience, obviously. Um, and it is no coincidence that the 12 steps of AA come from a lot of Stoic philosophy. And the three things that are required for um, people to drink too much to stop are honestly open-mindedness and willingness. And I think it's quite interesting to perhaps look at the way estate agents have been. Now, I'm sure all of you have had some sort of interaction at some point with estate agents. Um, well, 
you know, in which case I'll be very careful what I say, obviously, but I mean, I have been in the state agent for 40 years, and, and my um, experience of the way things have changed, and why I think I am relatively well qualified to talk to you guys about the way things have changed, is that I left my business two and a half years ago, a company called Douglas & Gordon in London, the London uh, train, uh, was running it for the last four years, um, successful company, we've installed a young CEO, I still keep my shares in the business, still turn up at board meetings, but what it has done, I left to set up Viewer, which you can see what it does there, and it's, um, it's given me access to probably every single sort of estate agent in, in, in the UK, absolutely unique access to all the new onliners, but most importantly, I've been getting outside the London bubble. You know, if you live and do most of your business in London, the estate agents you come across tend to be, and this really is not meant to denigrate anybody who, who operates outside London, tend to get a lot of very good estate agents in London. And for me, my journey around the UK, talking to different estate agents, has given me a, what's the right word, a relatively unedifying insight into the world of estate agency. So coming back to this 12-step thing, and my name is Ed and I'm an estate agent, um, one of the most irritating things that people who've had experience of being in, in a 12-step program um, have is that they're told that they're weak-willed. Now, if you think about an alcoholic, they're told that they should stop drinking because they're weak-willed. Well, if you're weak-willed and everyone around you is telling you to stop drinking, your wife, your mother, your daughter, your, your whole family, if you're weak-willed, you would do it. Very same thing with estate agents. Now, how many times over the last 10 years has the period discussed here, but I mean, certainly more recently, if you've got everybody around you as an estate agent telling you to change and to do things differently, sorry, um, if you've got everybody around you telling you to change, the chances are you will probably change. The problem with most estate agents is that they're not weak-willed at all. They're very strong. But my experience of estate agents is that it's truly the last bastion of the entrepreneur. The majority of people um, in estate agency, 80%, 70%, whatever, 78%, are one to three office operations run, for want of a better expression, by someone like me, probably a middle-aged man. Um, who has no succession planning, probably has a small lettings book he might be able to sell. No one's going to buy a sales book. Uh, the kids probably don't want to be estate agents. If you line 100 people up aged 18 and say, right, who wants to be an estate agent? No one's going to go, yeah, I want to be an estate agent. But you watch them all go out and try and become doctors or whatever they want to do, and then ask them again in five years' time, right, who wants to be an estate agent? You'll go about 50% and go, all right then, you know, something else to do. Um, and that's my experience with a lot of estate agencies. So, um, the kind of people that own the estate agencies aren't necessarily sort of people who are willing to change. They're strong-willed people, and at the moment they're getting bombarded from every direction by all sorts of people talking about technology, so they find that quite frightening. Um, they've been very, very slow to react. I mean, you know, Pearl Bricks have been around, what, four or five years? A lot of estate agents just bury their head in the sand when they're looking through the sand. When they, see, when they see what's coming down the tracks, they're very, very difficult to uh, they're very, very difficult to persuade to anything. And for most estate agents, the last 30 or 40 years have been fantastic. It's been like the Wild West. There's been no regulation, you can set up without any anybody telling you what to do. Certainly for me in London, fees were never a problem. It was absolutely fantastic. Substantial profit margins which hit huge amounts of potential inefficiency. Now, you look at our industry, the estate agency industry, 
you sit around paying people in your office waiting for the phone to answer the phone. I mean, that is a chronically inefficient way of doing business, just paying people to sit around in, in what could be an expensive office waiting for the phone to ring. Um, and obviously it's given huge power to people like Michael and Zuko, which is bloody irritating, but that's just the way it's been, you know. And it always irritates me that we sell, we pay to give our data to someone else, and they charge us for using it anyway. That's for another entire session at some point, because uh, I was told not to swear too much, because apparently this might be down to a podcast, so I won't swear. Um, anyway, I mentioned profit margins, substantial profit margins, and obviously that is changing quite fast. The online threat is um, reducing people's profit margins because of fees. Um, the number of estate agents is actually going up. The last figures were that there were in the last quarter, there were actually 150 more estate agents than there were in the quarter before that, which is mind-boggling. Um, so the slice of the pie, and, and the pie, you know, one and a half million transactions a year in 2007, probably just over a million now, so that the pie is getting smaller and the slices are getting smaller. So estate agents really need to look. So what they need, I, can, I, I started off with the 12-step thing, honesty, open-minded, and willingness. They need to be honest with themselves about what's happening around them. Um, and they have a lot of stuff that they need to be looking at, but it is terrifying. I mean, if you look at the estate agency fees in the UK, I think the general accepted figure is around three and a half to four billion pounds worth of fees. Now, those, that figure isn't getting up, so the only way you're going to make more money is not to increase that figure, unfortunately. It's going to be about taking costs out of the business and looking for efficiencies within your own business. Um, so one needs a bit of honesty about one's own situation at the moment. And you know, without that honesty, frankly, we're all a bit bugged. You know, people need to look at it and think, right, we really need to do something here. The problem is, I come back to that 70% of the estate market is people like me. You know, if they've got no succession planning, there we go. Someone turns up through the door, and for most estate agents, they spend a lot of time at the moment listening to people like me from view of trade trading through the door saying, This is a really good idea, you need this. And they don't know which way to turn most of them. They haven't got a clue. They don't know what which software to use, they don't know. And I mean something like that, it's 50% of agents don't know any form of CRM system. They still exist with a hot box and an Excel spreadsheet, and that's about it. So it's a it's it's a it's it's a very very slow to react industry. And when older middle aged people like me, I don't understand tech. I'm in awe of people like Raj here that set up companies like Fixfer and they actually understand how it works. I've got no idea. I actually have a very good business partner who does understand how it works. But if you're an estate agency owner and you've got this tech, you make the wrong decision with your tech, your software not employing some people to do something else, you could go bust. You know, it's a very perfectly good life you've had for years. It'll carry on being a nice life for a bit. Why not just run it into the ground until it until it stops? But for those sort of people that's going to be an ignominious end. And most estate agents, as I said, are entrepreneurs, so they really want to be um, continuing to make money. You know, that that's the reason they're in the business. It's a great business to be in. The only problem with being an estate agent is when you're sitting at a dinner party and some good-looking woman turns around to you and says, what do you do? What do you do? Even after 40 years, I still lie. I still lie. I still say, I race motorcycles, which I do, actually, but that's another story entirely, but it sounds a lot sexier than being an estate agent. So, so it's, you know, it's a very, very difficult thing for people to, to be um, honest about. So that honesty and that open-mindedness, looking at people, looking at different forms of um, technology, looking at the way uh, you can 
alter your 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 uh, methodology, your operations within your um, office is very difficult because you've been doing it for years. The majority of the agents I've come across have been doing the same thing for years, and they just you know to them technology is putting their properties on writing boards. So literally, I mean, people really just do not have the 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 understanding or the wherewithal to get it. The other thing, of course, that really um, makes life very difficult for estate agents and for those trying to introduce technology into estate agents is that estate agents are very, very bad at, at working together, collaborating. You know, your, your main objective in life is to do better than your competitor down the road. You will do anything to spike your competitor's guns. The idea that you'll collaborate to, do, to help them do something better, it's not really in the estate agent's lexicon. You've only got to look at the experience of the recently launched portal on the market.com, which was designed to try and take all the business away from Michael Bazooka. Most of the estate agents said, yeah, that's a really good idea, but actually, do you know what? I'm going to sit on the sidelines and see how it affects you. And then when it starts to work, I might consider doing it. And that's very much the, that can be the estate agency mindset. So talking to each other not a problem. So some sort of open-mindedness and, and, and um, willingness Open-mindedness and willingness. Um, looking around technology is one thing, but spending your money is quite another. Um, my experience, certainly when I was at Douglas and Gordon, I, I've been on receiving it. You know, I used to get people trips into the door, we used to get three or four people a week coming in, and they were really good ideas. And the, the traditional answer from the estate agent is, that's a really good idea, but you know what? We're fine. Thanks very much. And having now moved over to the other side, so I can actually talk to the estate agents. And I know how they work. You know, I go and I sit down. I'm not a bad salesman. I don't really like standing in front of people and talking. I want to put my room up when I've got a sort of radio, on a radio program or on a TV thing or something. I don't know why. I didn't like seeing people I'm doing. Well, I should just wear a blindfold when I'm talking to you. Then I'm probably a lot less nervous. But, anyway. um, but I can sell. So when I'm going into these estate agents, I, I can see exactly where the objections are and where the resistance is. And it's really difficult. It's no coincidence in a state agency that the bigger chains, so countrywide perhaps we can put to one side for a moment because countrywide obviously got their own issues, which are, um, I would say, unique, but they're very rare. But companies like Connell's, LSL, they have the money to, to try new technology. So they tend to be the first people that will try new technology and they will benefit from it. And it's no coincidence, I didn't keep meaning to come back to writing on Zoom, but it's no coincidence that you know, six, ten years ago with those companies launched, they gave free shares to, to the commons and countrywise of this life to get them to use it because they're very influential. You've now got the growth of some very big other groups. You've got companies like um, Belvoir, I know it should be pronounced Beaver, but I don't think a lot of people got Beaver, so it has to be pronounced as Belvoir. Uh, Hunters, Wickworths, the property franchise group, very, very big independent groups. You've got the Relocation Agents Network. Guild of Property Professionals, you've got a lot of big groups of estate agents, but they're effectively, well, they are franchises. So even though you have one headline company, one office you can go to to say, this is great tech, you've then got to then sell it to 300 of your franchisees, all of whom are the aforementioned entrepreneurs, who are just as happy to go like that, you can't see that luckily on the podcast, um, and tell you where to go, because they want to carry on doing what they've done for years. So changing estate agents is very, very difficult. Now, I will talk very, very briefly about the online sector having several women, but 
the, but the online agents, I mean, there's obviously been some very well publicized failures this, this week of, of the EMU template situation. But I'm not entirely sure that's down to the business model. They, in, in running a, B, a B2C business model is very, very difficult. It involves having a huge amount of money because you're trying to sell something to the public. And obviously, one obvious player, Herbal Brooks, have done very well at that, created the, the runway for themselves, and are now EBIT positive in the UK. You know, they're spending a lot of money overseas. Um, and I think that uh, when the EMU story uh, unfolds, one will see exactly what happened there, which is not necessarily, well, it's, it's due to the lack of money, it's as simple as that. So how will that influence? Well, it's already influencing a lot of the estate agents, but mostly from, from a point of view of fear, because they don't know what to do, so they're just lowering their fees to try and compete. And I think that the long-term view of agency will be uh, somewhere in between. I can quite easily see Purple Brits becoming a high street agent in the next three or four years. Um, and I, you, you're already getting companies like Humberts, who were a fantastic agency they used to. Humberts was, if you were a normal person and you wanted to buy a normal house outside London, Humberts was the place you went to. You know, people who couldn't afford the like Frank Savile, Strutton Harvard, Price properties would go to Humberts. Then I don't know what happened to them, they went and made all sorts of bad businesses. They've now gone down to these hub and spokes that are going down, I think. Matt said he's opening, I think, five or six hub, big offices all over the UK where people will work from those offices. Um, Orchards of London, a successful London company, they're going down to one hub. Uh, so the truth is going to end, or the, the MO for estate agents will change in the future to become something in between, I think. But the only way they're going to work is with slick technology. I mean, you'll hear from Raj about fixed flow. I think most of you probably already know what fixed flow is. Very clever system. What we're doing at Viber enables uh, estate agents to show properties without needing to employ them. So we have five and a half thousand people in the UK who will go and open up doors for estate agents when they can't get to them. So we vet them, and it's just proper sharing gig economy stuff. Um, and it's completely taken off. You know, we have 50,000 of these things this year. It's a very, with some amazingly interesting people so, uh, and actually our biggest growth area at the moment is landlords, people who can't get to see their investments before they buy them, because a lot of people now in London and the South East, they don't think yield, they have to go to Hull, Sheffield, these sort of places, they can't go to see them all the time, they don't want to go and see every property, so why not pay someone to go and have a look at it and see, what, see whether what the estate agent says is true. Because <laughs> as we know, that's not always entirely, uh, it's, it's often a matter for subjective debate, so there's so much that the estate agents can do in terms of going down staff. Um, I think the last thing I would say is that um, I know people have said the Foxtons are, um, the people have read recently that Foxtons have closed a load of offices. Uh, part of the reason they're doing that is actually because of, because of what we can do for them. But um, there is a reason the Foxtons were as successful as they've been over the years, and that is software. And you know, a lot of you here today are, are, are here to listen to people talking about software. And when I first developed the Douglas and Gordon CRM system years ago, it was purely designed, unfortunately, just to match buyers and sellers. It was designed to be a simple system so that you could just send when new properties came in, you'd send that to the Now, of course, value is all about data. And CRM systems are the ones that work, are the ones that enable the estate agent to, to, to harvest that data. And that's what Foxton started doing 25 years ago. Their business operating system is called BOSS, you know, business operating system. And it, if ever you do a deal with Foxtons, make sure you buy a pay-as-you-go mobile telephone. And when you do your deal, you do the deal on the 
And actually, this is probably going to apply to most estate agents now, actually. Do the deal on your pay as you get a mobile telephone. When the deal's finished, chuck it in the bin. Because otherwise, every six months, you'll be getting a call from someone saying, hi, this is so-and-so. What are you doing today? You know, what have you got to buy? That's why Foxton's were successful. But that continues as another thing in town. But, um, so there's a lot to change. And I think that, I think adding, I think estate agents are addicted to the way things have been, which is why I sort of rather lightheartedly talked about the 12-step alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous thing. But I think I think estate agents really do need to wean themselves off what they've been doing and to look at some sort of treatment for the problem. Otherwise, I think going forward, they will find themselves um, perhaps in more trouble than they think they might. Uh, and I think the straightforward answer is if you don't change, you'll die. So thank you for listening. So I'd like to welcome the panelists for this session. Uh, so Ed's going to be joined by Faraj, Matesh, and Trevor. Uh, and many of you may know uh, these gentlemen, but I'm going to ask them to do a, a brief introduction. And um, just in terms of that brief introduction, uh, what I'd like you to do, guys, is just pretend you're at a dinner party and uh, you're trying to attract the person next to you uh, and make it sound sexy. So. <laughs> Hi, my name's Ed, and I'm a motorcycle racer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, uh, Ed, what are you doing? Um, I'm a tech startup entrepreneur, but I'm too old for this. Let's say I'm Hi, I'm Rajiv. Uh, I'm the managing director of Pixlay, and we help millions of people around the world to get problems in their homes fixed more quickly. My name is Mitesh Patel, I'm the founder and CEO of Engage Property Technology. Uh, we automate interactions between customers and the property sector, designed to drive that efficiency and maintain gain or margin. Kind of, most people probably know me, but Trevor Ewing's I'm uh, not my colleague, um, uh, despite popular opinion. <laughs> I'm, uh, Director of Residential Solutions for MRI Group, so anything across the residential suite, including our recently acquired acquisition this morning, falls under my green. Okay, so we're going to do a quick poll now that just assesses which one of these guys you want to date. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> right, okay, so uh, just sort of starting um, particularly with, with, with Raj uh, and with Natasha and, and Ed, um, what keeps your clients? <laughs> Awake at night, you know what? What? What is? What's the one thing that keeps clients awake at night in terms of uh, your business? Uh, for our business, which covers repairs and maintenance, the thing that keeps them awake at night is uh, competition. The thing that always keeps them awake at night is the increased risk around regulation and health and safety and compliance. Um, I think what keeps our clients awake at night is keeping staff. I think the biggest thing, the biggest risk when there's a downturn in the property market is people uh, really worry about their staff. I mean, again, you've seen an example this week is EMOVE, you know, they've got quite, quite a number of employees that are going to be unemployed before Christmas. So I think that's the thing that worries most of our people is the first efficiency and the most expensive thing is member staff. One thing that keeps our clients awake at night is uh, the unknown. It's not really knowing what is going to happen tomorrow, what are they going to face, uh, how many people are not going to go through a renewal, uh, just lack of information, uh, that's not keeps them awake. 
and it's all down to now that everyone is realising to treat their residents or tenants as customers, um, just the unknown. Are their customers actually happy or are they being serviced uh, efficiently is the unknown. Um, Mitesh, just while, while you've got the microphone there, you know, just moving on to the second question, you know, Ed shared a lot of what he has learned you know, personally and out of the business over the last 10 years, but, but what, have, what have you learned personally and, and as a business over the last 10 years about the, you know, the agency market and how to succeed? So I used to think I was quite lucky that I've been in technology for about 17 years and within the property sector for the last four years. And having now met from the whole range housing associations, traditional block management companies, leasehold management companies, estate agents. Um, it's been a very steep learning curve. What I've realized is that uh, people don't, uh, within the sector, actually appreciate the importance of the technology as much as they should. Probably you guys in the room uh, with a technology focus do. They're trying to get that buy-in uh, up the chain and has always been a, well, we're seeing that as a, as a major challenge. Um, clear, just uh, as Ed was saying, that uh, why should we change uh, this feeling of uh, back in the day, I guess, people feeling invincible and uh, that's what the market in the UK especially <coughs> gave to the estate market, this feeling of being invincible. That's now, uh, we can see that going. We can see people feeling challenged a lot more by the online estate agents and so forth. There's still people sitting there going, no, I'm, I'm secure, I'm protected. Um, I did go to a conference arranged by the IOD uh, about PropTech, it was their second one, um, back in September. And one of the estate agents came to see me, and I said, what do you do? I told him what we do. And he said, I reckon if we just, this sector just digs their heels in, this PropTech stuff will all just go away. And I thought, oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, if that's what the sector is saying, um, and if you do go together, I actually thought back at that, I thought, uh, I, can, I, I can't see that's actually going to work in practice um, any time at all. Is the sector digging its heels in, do you think? Uh, to a certain extent, yes, I think it is. Um, I think it's uh, fairly stuck in its ways. And then also, I mean, we've got quite a few clients now, we've gone from 3,000 users to 120,000 in the last 12 months. Um, so I can't sit there and say the whole sector is taking their heels, but on the estate agent market specifically, I can say that uh, they are. Um, they're trying to ring fence uh, certain entry points into the, uh, into the prop tech space. There's feeling that they're saying that uh, we're special, we are unique, we are not like any other estate agency. The amount of times I hear that every week is unbelievable. Um, and I sit there and say, got to be kind of more open. Um, and if you don't start now, someone else and your nine estate agents have proven they invested, they went out on a limb, and they've delivered by becoming stagnated. It's certainly not going to help you or your, your end customer in the sector overall. Okay, and Trevor, just on that back that question on, on sort of personally, what have you learned? You know, what Trevor's telling me everything that he learns all the time, but um, <laughs> I'm always getting these stories from Trevor. Um, 
But you know, what, what have you, you know, in, in, you know, getting it down to a couple of points, what, what have you learned from the last 10 years really about serving this marketplace? <laughs> well, I worked in the marketplace before I began serving it, so I had 10 years of chances, 10 years of rainbows. I think um, agents can be different. I get that, you know, they want a, a particular edge, especially a competitor in the town, but the core transaction that we carry out is the same. And it's just how we use technology around that to, to help the agent to deliver what the perception of being a different service actually is. So. Can, I, can, I, can I just make a comment? Which I think yeah, is very, very good at talking about themselves and how marvelous they are, and as tech businesses are great at talking about how marvelous they are. What we need to realize is that for the majority of us in this room, buying a property is still more or less the same process it was when I started in 1979. It won't be the same for my 25-year-old twins. When they come to buy a property, they are not going to want to pick up the telephone and talk to some guy in a suit. They're going to want to communicate online. They're going to want to send WhatsApp messages. They're going to want to do it very differently. So the difficulty for estate agents is looking at the transition with their customers. They need to be looking at what the customer wants. And the trouble is the estate agents aren't. My experience in estate agents and me, because of the age of, of the people that run most of the estate agents, it's very difficult for them to look at that. They find it very difficult to, to uh, envisage what the buyer of the next five or ten years. And to be honest with you, because the, the age of first time buyers and the average of buyers is getting so, I mean, there are a lot of letting people who let as well, so that needs to change, obviously. But in terms of sales, because of the age of first-time buyers getting higher and higher and higher, my 25-year-old twins, are, they're not about to get a huge amount of money from me to go and buy a house, so they'll probably need to wait another 10 years. So there's quite a lot of leading to this changeover to the millennial generation that we come through, and I think estate agents are going to have to embrace that, because in five to 10 years' time, there's no way that people will want to indulge, will want to engage with estate agents and their suppliers in the way they do now. Okay. Personal tidbits uh, for us. So, so the idea, my, my experience is predominantly around the uh, lettings and property management side of things rather than the sales. So, there are three key things I've learned. Um, the first is so, we, we're lucky, we we're fortunate to work with about 35% of UK letting agents. So, I've had exposure to a huge range from listed companies, international companies, through to sorts of family run businesses. And the commonality that I've seen with really successful businesses is this combination of three things. It's not all about one tech, although that is part of it. It's about the right people, the right processes, and the right prop tech, if you want to use three P's or tech. Those three things in harmony are the commonality I've seen from small independent agencies that thrive in their local market and become market leaders through to big companies. Um, the second thing I've seen is that very few of the entrepreneurs I come across who run agencies want to take up the larger multi-branch um, offerings from this, so the sort of Romans of this world. Um, very few of the people I deal with have a genuine understanding of their unity economics. So the business model that underpins everything they do. They'll understand the revenue numbers, but they won't really grasp the cost to serve, the repeatability of transactions, and the scalability of what they have. And I don't know whether that's because people buy your rights and start their own businesses, but that sort of financial insight seems to be missing. Uh, and the third insight I've got is um, very few agencies um, act quickly. And by that I mean they tend to wait for a problem to uh, sort of eventuate within their business. They need to feel the pain. So they, they pay for painkillers, 
and they'll pay a lot of painkillers, but they won't pay for the vitamins or the, or the pain prevention in the first place. So uh, they're my three key learnings traveling through the markets. Okay, brilliant. Can I, we should have done this at the start of the session, but can I just have a, a show of hands of who's from an agent in the room, if that's okay? So, so probably sort of 60%, something like that. Okay, right. Okay, that's just helpful just to, just to pick up on that. Uh, so, just really quickly along the panel there, and, and we can start with you because you've got the, well, start with yourself as you have got the microphone. Um, in, in a sort of ranking scale, where do you think PropTech sits in, in terms of an agent's priorities? Uh, I would put it um, second equals. I think the very first thing to having a successful business, whether in agency or otherwise, is having the right people. So recruiting, retaining, training and motivating the right people. If you have that, you're, you're in a really good place. I don't think you can really separate our processes and prop tech because they're largely one and the same. Some of it will be analog, some of it will be digital. But if it's not written, it's not a process. If it's not repeatable, it's not a process. If it's not understood, it's not a process. That's where I say it. In my experience, I think that they, uh, on a face value point of view, they're saying it's uh, one of the number one priorities. Um, but in practice, having looking at the length of a sales cycle and the number of meetings and the number of people being brought to the table, 15 odd people trying to decide whether something they should dip their toe into something, I'd actually sit there and say it's it's a low priority. So on face value, yes, it may seem like the highest priority. We've had new roles being uh, introduced into many of the larger organisations, um, prop tech manager, um, customer experience director, and they created all these new titles. I'm sure you've seen a number of them out there. But I still sit there and say, how many of you question that what you've achieved in the last 12 months has actually been done? And that's what would tell me that it's, on the face value it is, it's being showcased as a high priority, but in reality, it's a very low priority. I also think we've, we've, we're unfair on our market. You know, anyone in the room that's <coughs> either changed, trying to change, or is considering change in their core PropTech solution, it's a nightmare. I think none of us can sit there and say, this is not going to disrupt the business, it's not going to be a pain to do. But I think we need to work a lot better together to try and get over those kind of challenges. I know it's easy to sit here and say it, but the single biggest issue you have around movement of technology is movement of that data, that core information. So whilst we might criticise all these approaches of priority, it's not that it's, it's a fault of us as an industry. Yeah. As much as I, I was going to ask, do you think we, 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 we've not helped ourselves with that in the prop tech sphere? You know, have we got in there all guns blazing and, and, and maybe we promised? Well, I think it's partly that the, the majority of human agencies simply don't understand tech. I mean, it's a uh, it's no coincidence. I don't know whether any of the other agents here, but we used to characterize our employees and, and uh, some of our clients by using a DISC profile, a sort of Thomas profile, so we, they were either very domineering, happy to do the same thing over and over again, talk a lot, or an eye for detail. And I am definitely not someone with an eye for detail. Um, the tech people tend to be obviously that 5%, and the majority of the rest of the population 
no offense, guys, don't get on terribly well in a business way with people who have that sort of mentality. So it's, it's a naturally very difficult thing, I think, for, us, for people who run state agents. And exactly like what I said, in terms of the sort of 15 people sitting around here, they just don't get the people that are trying to deliver the solution. So it's very, very difficult. Um, but in terms of the priorities, which was what the question was, I very much what Raj said. I think it is a, um, as an agent, I found it very, very difficult to understand what people were talking about half the time. And, and we did not employ someone who was a head of innovation or whatever it is to understand it. So what tends to happen with, with a lot of this tech is that people don't discover it. It's a bit like whack-a-mole. Something will suddenly pop up and they'll realize that would be a good solution for that. A classic example is something that uh, we got called into a big chain. Um, and the reason they called us, it was nothing that we thought it would be, it was a completely unknown, you know, we didn't think it would be a reason they, they'd talk to us. They called us because they said they were having problems with their staff leaving, they didn't want to work on weekends. Their main, their best staff were leaving to go to some of the big names in the agency, because the big names were saying, you don't have to, come, you don't have to work weekends with us. Now, so they called us because they said, oh, can, can you guys do the weekend viewings for these people? We didn't expect that at all, that was not what we signed up for. So I think a lot of people are only discovering it's exactly like you said, Raj, it's the pain point. They only discover stuff. Uh, they don't take the vitamins and they, they, they don't look at what might or might not happen because they haven't got a clue. They only discover it when it happens. And then the sales cycle is, you know, we signed up Savile's auctions yesterday. It's taken two years, two years for them to get around to doing it. It's a staggering length of time that people tend to take before they make a decision. And I think that is not helping. Whether that's going to change, I don't know, but given the lack of insight most agents have, and that's not meant to be rude, because I didn't get, I don't get tech, and I don't think most of the agents get it. So why would they necessarily get it? Okay. So I've talked a lot about the issues, but you know, the solutions to that. So what what would be the, the major thing that, that you should say agents should think about whenever they're sort of putting a tech stack together. What, what is that? So what, what's, you know, when they're, when they're doing that? Because they're not going to get it from one provider. You know, they're not going to get everything out of the box. No, but it would be very nice if all the providers talk to each other. I mean, the software is actually a classic example. If, if, the, if the country is buying and selling the system, and indeed the letting system, to some extent, they're going to change. All the software is going to have to talk to each other. You know, the language is going to have to talk to the solicitors, the solicitors are going to have to talk to agents, you've got 50 or 60 different CRM systems that everybody's using, none of which talk to each other. You know, I wish you could just be in a Star Wars film and get a universal translator and chuck it, and then it would just, everything would be able to talk to each other. I think that would be a major, major plus. But the straightforward answer to your, to your question is collaboration. If you want to get, get it together and you want to get a solution, you're going to have together a, a group of agents together, preferably local agents, and say, right, come on, let's all sit down and work out what's best and go and negotiate. When was the last time you heard of local estate agents? Exactly what I said, it's like herding cats, in the nicest possible way. But the estate agents may, as an estate agency owner, your main job is to smash your neighbour in the face and say, right, well, then get rid of you, mate. Not, let's sit down and talk about it. And I'd love to see that change. Okay. Right. So, um, if I answer the question, it is how do you go about deciding what is the best approach for your business and who the right supplier would be? And I think it's probably got to understand the philosophy of the business you're dealing with. What's their DNA? What's their vision? What's their vision? What's their values? To me, software is an enabler. It's there to help people. It's help people do more and better and easier. It's help people both within the business and everything customers, consumers, residents, however you want to turn them to do what they want to do. And the only way it 
which that will work is with an open, open, connected, flexible, wider. Um, because I believe that the rates of change and innovation is going to keep growing and you can't be locked in a box. You need to be able to plug and play whatever you want. Um, technology is not there to lock you in a cell. It's there to help you achieve your business goals. And that, that's the first thing I'll be doing when going to market and looking at suppliers. Um, are we philosophically aligned or not? So one example I use quite often is that uh, when you all went out to invest or procure your netting system, you procured your system or did a beauty parade, all from a back office operation in mind. So finance, sales, HR, it was all down to the back office. I sit there now and say that, looking at the other end, looking from the customer point of view, the customer first approach is, is absolutely key, and then work your way, your way back. What are all those interactions that take place between you and your teams and your end customer. One thing we say is give us, a, for any prospect or client, we say give us, a, give us a list of all the calls that come through to your contact center sorted by highest to lowest. Let's look at the top 20. What out of the top 20 can we automate? If we're taking that customer first approach, you see they're going, take two, take two out of the top 20. How much time is spent on, I mean, we ask the, the, the market, how much time do you spend on administering it to someone in a taxi per year? And I always get surprised at how many people that can actually answer that question. Some have in housing associations, they've got a lot of stats around this, uh, customer administration, and they're saying about 28 hours is what they spend. So they're saying they're great, we can reduce that by 20%. What does that give back to your internal teams? So in housing associations, they can't sit there and say we're gonna fire a load of people. They have to say we're going to redeploy resources to live more face time. But in other sectors, you can actually sit there and say, great, we can drive some, get some efficiency gain here, and actually look at the number of calls that are coming through. But then it's not just about the self-service side as well. How are you going to incentivize them? You want your customer to put you on their primed asset, which is their mobile phone. How are you going to maintain that? Just by looking at prop tech and technology from a self-service, what am I going to gain, how am I going to benefit, that's not going to work, because you want to stay on their phone. So it's also coming up with an incentive, and how are you going to maintain prime asset space on their personal device? So it's also looking at that. But I do believe, when we started, we said, great, big, hairy goal, our vision is to improve the lives of the 50 million people in the UK that rent. In the last year, we've changed it, and we've had to now go, how can we increase your bottom line? Uh, I'd love to sit there and say, maintain the first focus on changing and improving the lives of customers that rent as the core focus, and as a byproduct of that, you will benefit. So it's maintain that first focus. So it's the first. We probably should move on with this point where I say shameless plug anyway. But, um, I mean, we, we are, we're not there yet, as some of you already appreciate the room and the conversations I've had with you, we are moving much more into a, an opening place environment. It wasn't something that was going to happen overnight with us, and I know it doesn't feel like it on Sundays, but we are nine months on from when we started this journey with some of our partners, and actually we are starting to see those benefits feed through to clients, but um, you have to have an open and connected architecture that's the only answer. Okay. 
that's that's just you know stepping into the future you know and not looking back again what does the the the, the estate agent the, the lending agent of the future look like i'm not talking about sort of the business because you know we, we, we all have sort of visions of you know whether it's the online offline mixture etc but what does that individual look like what are the skills um picture them and tell us what it looks like um, I mean, to be honest with you, I touched on most of it in his, in his uh, preamble, but I think that it is a very changed world. Um, people say our branch leader, aren't they? I think that you know, you're possibly talking about core branches as hubs with people working from them. Um, you're always going to need bodies. There's absolutely no dispute around that. Um, and it, I think I would always talk more about um, the core asset in, in your business is, is your staff and that connection you've got to your local environments, and you always need that. But you still want to try and gain efficiencies from them. So I think more about back office and how you can gain efficiencies within the business, and quite frankly, downskill the requirement of the people you've got, collecting money, paying landlords, paying suppliers. That type of stuff, I think all agents have to pay way too much money to resource that part of the market. So one side's the front end with, with Ed and, and the viewing, the other side's this. So anyone that saw me, I think last year, I'm gonna say the same words you might remember, so we will walk out get bored. When I look at technology, I think anything we deliver has to make Mary cry. Now, I don't think anyone heard that last year when I said that. Did, did anybody hear that? So, well, I was looking at what we deliver in the software and think um, what we take to market and what we do in it, would it make Mary cry? Now Mary was a lady I met 20 years ago and we sat her in a training course and we matched 80% of her rent um, on a single transaction. We just pushed the button, had, we downloaded everything, Robert was there actually. Uh, he did it, you made Mary cry. Um, <laughs> she was, she was the, the accountant. She sat there every day and physically matched the ledger each time and we pushed one button and matched 80% of the rent for that day. She burst into tears, because we'd just taken a job away. Now, Mary still works, <laughs> Mary still works for that company, it's far different role. But the, the point behind that is a bit glib, uh, is that took away, essentially, probably two or three people's jobs, and a lot of inefficiency, just by that one thing. Now, they won't all be as monumental as that, but in the technology, that's the kind of stuff we have to deliver. So, long answer for it. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot in terms of automation that whatever can be automated will be automated in the future. I see a lot more uh, machine learning coming in where we sit there now and say, well, that's a judgment call. That relies on 20 years of experience of being a lettings agent and it's their specific judgment call that they're looking at all the data and then they're advising our customer. I see a lot of that just completely changing where somebody can sit there, log into a portal, view what rent they're collecting and sit there, hover over that number and it says, um, this is the rent that you're getting compared to the average market rent of a similar sized property in that postcode. Do you want to renew? Do you want to put it out to the market? Do you want to stop and not increase your rent? I see to that level, that's going to be completely automated. That's what's going to drive to the actual landlord and say, great, I need to call Michael 
or Steve or my 15th account manager that I've been allocated in the last five years to ask what their judgment call is going to be. So I see a lot of this is going to come down to automation and machine learning to avoid. And I said, I'm going to say this quite often at Cranfield uh, when I go down there. And what they look like said to me many years ago, they said, Greg, who are your top 25 people in your business? Do they know that you're top 25 and why are they your top 25? And if I went back into one of my first businesses and said, who are my top 25? If I sit there and go, why? And it come down to their experience and then being able to make that judgment call. So if that's going to change now, I think the market's going to be quite different in 10, 15 years' time. specific prediction that they can be hung up against in the future, so I'm going to be very specific. So, uh, by 2025, I'm going to talk purely about residential property management here, uh, I predict, first of all, that the fees charged are going to be significantly higher. And the reason for that is regulation will be in place, the cost to serve will increase, the ability for those ill-qualified, unregulated, and otherwise unscrupulous providers to operate in the market will drop away. And I see a greater professionalisation of professional property management. The second thing I predict is that the role of the property manager will no longer exist. I think that there will be transactional management, so commercial property, we look at facilities management, and that will be largely uh, computer driven, supplemented by people. So you'll have fewer people managing transactions supported by great technology. The technology will be the flywheel that allows them to do more. And the property management bit will be the relationship manager. So making sure that the people in the homes are happy, that if they want to buy or sell or rent or whatever it is, they're taken care of. They're much more build-to-renting approach. They'll also be building longer-term relationships with fewer landlords with larger, larger portfolios, helping them to expand and being that professional trusted advisor on everything to do with their property stock. So in summary, there'll be higher fees, there will be more consolidated businesses, and there won't be property managers. See you in 2020. Can I ask just quickly, I'm not sure of hands, who sort of specialises in property management? All right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Just before I talk about what I think the estate agent of the future will look like, um, it's quite interesting if you're a company like Hubble, I don't even know Hubble, who were a, a very uh, clever online commercial estate agent. And if you go to look on Hubble uh, for a property, before you even finish typing your email address, the person who has who is looking at your case will know whether you're in a business that's growing, shrinking, needing more space, going up staff, down staff, just from your just from the website address. So from the something.co.uk page, they will be able to tell who you are, where you are, when you're going up and down. So in other words, they'll they'll from that be able to farm all sorts of information. And I think the future is for estate agents, it's all going to be about data. So I think what we're going to be looking at is a more US, straight, American, Australian style of agent. So very specialised locally, inveigling themselves into the local community so they, you know, the kids are at local school, this sort of thing. I think it'll be managed from a local hub. I think it'll be fascinating to watch what happens with Keller Williams. Keller Williams is a very successful, obviously, international outfit, but they're starting this model here in the UK. Um, and I think that it's no coincidence that some of the estate agents I mentioned earlier are going to this hub and spoke model. So I think the estate agents will be experts at, at winning listings. They'll have people in central hubs who are actually marketing, you know, harvesting the database, 
uh, doing what they need to do. And I think the days of spending, I mean, as an estate agent, the one thing I loved doing was viewing this. I loved getting out on the road, have a fag, coffee, call a girlfriend, whatever it was. Um, but it's the least efficient thing people do, which is why we, why I launched the system. I thought the most efficient use of an estate agent, unfortunately, is the thing the estate agent doesn't, is the thing the estate agent doesn't like doing, which is ringing up all the old customers, what are you doing, when are you doing it, etc., etc. exactly like I was talking about before. So I see the future as being having people in the hubs following the database and experts out about winning the listings. And it's partly why we launched our business, because frankly, I spent most of my time wondering where the hell my people were. And they'd be out doing the third viewing with Mrs. Biggins' mother-in-law looking at some place. They were out for two hours. It was a complete utter waste of time. They should have been in the office pushing deals through and doing something more efficient. So I think we're heading for a more US, Australian-style uh, operation in the end. Okay, so we're getting close to our time. Uh, I'm, I've sat through a lot of broadcast panels in, in the last couple of years. Uh, and this is a bit of a take on um, on one of the final questions that always seems to come up. So, who's your prop tech hero? Um, well, nobody's not the same themselves. That's a hell of a question. I'd almost hand it over. I mean, I think to some extent, I'm sitting next to him. I think this guy's an amazing man for, for prop tech. I think for people to accept that something can really make a difference, I think Fixpo has been a really big name in, in, in enabling people to understand how things change. That's Often true, sir. That is true. Red Chief has been fantastic in our industry. Yeah. I mean, I do think it takes someone to, it, 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 it takes something really simple to, to, to enable you to understand how it can work. And I think the whole business of property management and how the hell you deal with tenants ringing up in the middle of the night and saying, what do I do? It just makes such a difference when you can see it working really simply. So, heroic stuff, really. And now you talk, now you talk about meals. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed is a luminary both through agency and technology. Mine is probably a relatively controversial choice of its own. Um, not least because of what you said earlier, but it's Alex Chesterman. Um, I believe that the fortitude of his intellect the power of his vision and the absolute compulsion to succeed. Um, he's changed every industry he's gone into, including property and soon-to-be cars. Uh, in fact, when news of Kuzu, nice ZOO at the end, launched uh, Alex's new um, buy, refurbish and sell second-hand cars, I looked at online uh, car stocks to start shorting because I suspect uh, he will be successful. So I get asked this question quite a bit. Um, we've been in the tech sector for a long time. We saw it sit there and go, is it Bill Gates? Is it Richard Branson? Is it Pat Gandhi? And then I just came over and started thinking that if, I, if I'm going to have a hero, I want to go and talk to my hero, go and shake their hand and go and have a beer with them. So one of my popular heroes is actually, well, both these two guys sitting next to me. Um, I did tell, luckily, Rajiv that this morning. Um, just because I've seen them make a, a real difference, keep it simple. It's a simple buying process, unfortunately, for what we do. It's not as simple. It, uh, it's close, but it's not as simple. That's somewhere we, where we aspire to be. And then something that I've seen Trevor do over the last uh, six years of working with him, that uh, in the beast that now is MRI, that started out in the older Spatial days, which is when we first met, but constantly driving that message and not being shy to go and ask clients and introduce people in to say that it's time for change and sharing what others have achieved and being quite open to that. So I think I'm quite lucky that I can go have a beer with my heroes. Tearful now. The same event a couple of years ago, I got called the industry veteran. I'm 50. 
you know, you can take it to yourself if you like. But, um, to, Young man. Yeah. So I've got two, and actually one was broadly mentioned earlier, that, that is John Hunt. I don't know actually him well enough, I only met him twice before he sold and disappeared off Foxton, sorry. And I don't know how much he was the driver behind that technology, but certainly since he's not been around, um, it's not been the same in that organisation. So you kind of would like to think that he was the guy that sat there and said, right, this is how it has to start and work going forward. You know, we're about to apply this is how we use. And Boss did dominate what you should do in technology software. The problem we have as suppliers to a number of different agents is that we have to deliver different things to different people and prioritising that. And the only other guy that people may never have been aware of is a guy called Ian Simpson. I work for Chancellors, as I said at the start, and Ian got the fact that actually you had to have strong uh, technology within the business to make it work. And he self-wrote a system, it's, they've still got the same system in place, um, it's quite arcade now, uh, but essentially he self-wrote software and he's one of the only agents or the only agency groups that I ever saw do it successfully because he understood how it had to be done. Much, much the same as this job hungry fox And these guys, of course. Okay, that's really good, that's been really good. We've actually sort of run the time, which sort of leaves us uh, no time for, for, for a Q&A. Now, I don't know whether that's a, a blessing or not, um, but I'm, I'm sure that these guys would be very happy to take uh, questions uh, over lunch, uh, which is now, or in the cocktail reception at the end of the day, or in fact, I know that um, they'll both, uh, uh, Raj and Tesh will both be upstairs uh, at, the, at the respective booths and, and, and around the around the, the, the ecosystem. So, um, and Trevor's always happy to answer questions. Yeah. And thank you very much to Ed for that, that thought-provoking uh, content that was prepared at the start uh, and, and a unique take on it. So um, thank you very much for attending this session and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you.